Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Mel. I'm Janet. And I'm Kristen. Food is both a necessity in life and a cherished ritual. Our daily routines are often arranged around eating and sharing a meal. Our memories around childhood and travel are shaped by the flavors, scents, and textures of what we ate, experiences created by the home cooks or professional cooks who fed us. Today's guest is Kristen Kish, an acclaimed chef with a stacked resume. A graduate of Le Cordon Bleu in Chicago, she earned her first executive chef position at 24. In 2013, Kristen won season 10 of Top Chef, becoming the first contestant to return after elimination and win the whole competition, and the second female winner in the history of the Top Chef franchise. She's also hosted TV shows like 36 Hours on Travel Channel, Restaurants at the End of the World with National Geographic, Fast Foodies on True TV, and now Iron Chef on Netflix, which has returned after four years. In May 2018, Kristen became executive chef and partner at her restaurant Arlo Gray in Austin, Texas, where the menu combines her French technique, Italian influence, and Midwest upbringing. Kristen is also the author of a cookbook, Kristen Kish Cooking, Recipes and Techniques, where you can pick up delicious and unique recipes to impress your next date or dinner party. We're so excited to have Kristen here with us today and to chat about her career, thoughts on food and cooking, the importance of a mentor, and pushing your comfort zone and confidence. So please welcome to the Asian Boss Girl podcast, Kristen. Hello. (laughs) I I love that I'm doing this podcast from Korea. I think it just makes it a little bit more full circle. (laughs) It is, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah, so Kristen is joining us during her amazing tour right now. So we very much appreciate her taking the time. Yeah, and for Kristen, just to give our listeners some context, do you mind sharing with them, like, you know, where did you grow up? What was your family dynamic like? And what was young Kristen like? Oh, (laughs) um well I was born in Seoul South Korea I was adopted at four months old I was raised in Michigan and my childhood in young Kristen was very much wow there's so many there's so many layers to that question uh honestly from from my point of view I had the most lovely childhood um I was loved I was cared for you know very suburban upbringing um so I think that 
the easiest way to answer that one is that young Kristen was very much loved. Oh, very sweet. <laughs> and when did your um, your interest in cooking begin? Um, you know, take us from, you know, where that happened in your childhood. And when was the moment that you knew that this was a career that you wanted to pursue? You know, I started watching cooking shows at five years old. And, you know, wow. I picked up my first knife and I am a visual learner, come to find out. And so mm. watching the chefs cook on this cooking program, it was called Great Chefs of the World, watching them cook and use a knife. Like I picked up a knife and I just felt like I knew how to use it. There was, mm. you know, my small little five-year-old hand could fit around that chef's knife and chop, you know, a head of cabbage in 10 seconds or something. So wow. that was always, I was, I was very interested in the technique and the methods of cooking. It wasn't till much later that I developed what, you know, a, a taste, a palate, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was always kind of part of my life, but it wasn't, I wasn't the kid that was like dressing up as a chef for Halloween. So as much as I was interested in it, I was also a kid that was interested in a lot of different things. And so when it came to, you know, graduating high school and then having to choose a college, I started going to school for international business and economics, which I'm not good at. And I probably would have failed and I would have a horrible future for myself in that space. And so after the first year, my mom saw there's just, there was a lot of um, sadness, I think, mm-hmm. in, in my eyes, thinking that this was going to be my life. And so she was like, Kristen, you've always loved cooking and cooking shows. Why don't you try to go to culinary school? I was like, oh, okay. So it was really the credit of my mom and my dad for seeing a child that was not happy to say, mm-hmm. why don't you try something else? Wow, that is incredibly profound um, to share. I mean, I guess that shows the greatness of your relationship with your parents mm-hmm. um, for them to help to help kind of support that. But it's also interesting to hear your story because I think a lot of our listeners can relate to perhaps going into uh, different career paths that they are not necessarily initially interested in and kind of going through that journey of trying to find something else. Um, but it's also really fascinating to hear that your draw towards cooking was so magnetic at such a young age. Um, it is actually very, it, it makes a lot of sense now looking at kind of your passion. It really takes that type of like passion and drive. Um, kind of now moving on to the, you know, topic of, you know, we've heard about how you grew up and on this podcast, we do talk a lot about identity. Um, and some of our listeners also do identify as queer or are exploring their sexuality. Um, and also we have a lot of listeners that have written in who are adoptees. Um, As a woman who is queer, Asian, and an adoptee, what are words of encouragement you would share with someone who's in the process of exploring their identity? As we're growing up, we're we're constantly hounded by, you need to figure out what you're going to be and who you're going to be. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, this conversation that starts so early on. And that's a lot of pressure for a kid or anybody to feel like they have to make these decisions and they have to stick with them. Honestly, sexuality, career, um, how you want to embrace your Asian-ness as an adoptee, how, whatever, whatever the topic and category might be, is that you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have an answer and you can explore and experiment and you can change your titles that you want to be every single day should should you want to. And I feel like removing some of that pressure of saying you have to know everything right now is a lot. And it, it, mm. it is, it's anxiety ridden. I remember exactly how I felt when I felt like I was supposed to do that. Mm. And so honestly, like explore, experiment, 
be gentle with yourself and allow the change to happen. And you don't have to be anything for anybody else except for yourself. And so just go on, go forth with every rainbow colored and wrap yourself around an Asian flag and, um, you know, change careers eight times. Who cares? <laughs> like that's mm. the beauty of life is you're in control of your own life. I love that piece of advice. I feel like this could apply to a lot of things too. Cause I feel like in general, like some there's so much pressure on yourself to like have things figured out. You know, I feel like that's just an expectation that we have, but to just encourage exploration is such a great mm. thing to to keep in mind. You know, speaking about, you know, exploring your identity, you know, you're currently in Seoul, South Korea. I think it's so exciting and so much fun because I, I think like many of us, we have the travel bug. So we're like we're living vicariously through the Netflix <laughs> Golden Instagram account. Um, this is your first time visiting, you know, and Chef Esther Choi is your guide. She's a great guide um, based on her stories. How's your trip so far? Like what are you even, what's some foods have you tried that you loved already? I mean, the whole trip, honestly, it, it happened so fast. And I think mm -hmm. I was, anticipatory anxiety is a real thing. And so mm -hmm. as I'm sitting in the United States, be like, I'm going to Korea for the first time. The uh, you, you like the the wave of emotions, and I'm sure mm. once I leave Korea, like there will be a complete download of emotions as well. Mm. But right now, like I feel normal here, like I feel mm. good here. Um, I feel yes, I'm exploring the city with obviously a pro like Esther, and having her guidance is massive in all of this. But I feel I feel great, honestly. Like this has been an incredible time and opportunity. It's a nice mix of work and play pleasure and professionalism all of, mm. all the good stuff so I'm loving it all the food I will say one of the things that I really loved was the savory breakfast route like a lot of Asian families and, and mm. cultures have because I'm not a sweet breakfast person I'm not a mm. breakfast person in general but Esther the, yesterday was like let's go get the pork neck stew and kimchi at 7 a.m I'm like okay I can do that <laughs> like that was <laughs> awesome so I'm taking it all in and I'm letting, you know, all the feels happen. Oh man, that sounds so exciting. I just, okay, I could, I'm just feeling, oh, sorry. I, I, I'm in a career once and it was so much fun. And I think for me to hear that this is your first time and like hearing that you feel like you just belong there. I understand, mm -hmm. I, I just, there's a sense of like, I understand what you're saying. Um, so I'm really excited for you to just to live out the rest of the trip and like add new like favorites on your food list. Um, I was yeah, walking, I, we were walking back from breakfast yesterday. Um, yesterday, it was a, it was a decent you know decent length walk and just walking down the street I told I looked at her and we were at a crosswalk and I was just watching people cross the street and I was like oh my god the sea of black hair is comforting like mm. you just and it's a, I guess it's something you you didn't I didn't realize because growing up as an adoptee I always miss people that look like me mm. you know I had Asian mm. friends but not not like in this way like it was mm -hmm. this is just on a whole nother level and to be able to walk down the street and see <laughs> see the majority of people that quote have the same you know shape eyes and the same color hair it makes me feel like you belong but also there is a unique representation within Korea with everyone quote with black hair and Asian features and all that stuff I won't go too deep into that one because I'm like I don't want it to sound like oh we all look alike that's not mm -hmm. what I'm saying I'm saying there mm -hmm. is comfort in saying that you feel like you belong because you're like, damn, I've missed this for much of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely a very different experience when you feel like you can relate to the majority around you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Kind of going back to your career now, um, you know, the industry you are in is known for being quite cutthroat and quite male dominated. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about your mentor, uh, Barbara Lynch, and how she's made an impact on your life? Yeah, she she was a force and she changed the trajectory of my life. She, she has, I, I give that credit to her. So she's the one who is like, you need to go on Top Chef because the TV world needs more women chefs being seen. She was like, and I know you can do it. And so oftentimes it takes somebody else to see your, your greatness because we can't see it within ourselves. Hmm. And so she was really that person to see the greatness in me and to push me along a route at a pace that I was comfortable with that allowed me to shine. And like that, I feel like that's the best thing about a wonderful mentor is she always says, like, I never taught you how to cook, Kristen. I told you how to believe in yourself or something along those lines. Mm. And that's completely true. She allowed me the space to become comfortable with who I am, which then inevitably impacted the way I cook. Because the more Mm. comfortable you are, your food becomes slightly more comfortable and it feels like it has a direction and a personality. Um, So she really helped me explore me not just me as a chef. I love that. That's That really does encapsulate kind of what a mentor is, right? Beyond any of the technique or any of the specifics of work, it's really being able to help you develop as a person. Kristen, thank you so much for talking about, you know, how Barbara Lynch is such a great mentor for you. I love how you mentioned how she didn't, um, like kind of what Janet said too, like she just like really encouraged you to embrace, you're kind of like your, your inner strength already versus focusing on your skill. You know, how have the decisions you made helped you grow, including any opportunities that you also turned down? You know, that was that was a learning curve because after Top Chef, my life changed basically overnight. Like Mm. you're on Top Chef and it's playing out and you're starting to get recognized and people are starting to like pay attention a little bit. But once you win, it just it's 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 like a light switch. Something Mm. happens. And as like, you know, chefs that work in restaurants or like wherever you're coming from in your industry, for that to happen, it's completely bonkers, especially 10 years ago when I guess it was a little bit even more abnormal for something like that for a chef. And so as soon as that light switch happened, I was like, oh my God. And for the first year I was like managing a little bit on my own. I was like, okay, like just email me at my personal Gmail link. Like I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I have no (laughs) idea what I'm doing. And I'm trying to like make my own deals, which basically just meant I was accepting the first offer. And I was just like, okay, I'll do it Mm -hmm. because it's new and it's, it's exciting. And there's the other side where I was like, well, this could go away any minute. I have to, Mm. I have to seize my opportunity Mm. because everyone's like, this is your 15 minutes. I also think that's like complete bullshit. We have everyone TV or not has more than 15 minutes. Like screw Mm -hmm. off I I started saying yes to everything and then I finally got like a manager and someone properly um, helping me do these things and the cooking analogy that I can give you that kind of maybe paints a picture is that I was saying yes to everything and I was like you know that sprinkled parsley that was just all over every plate and every dish Mm. that was just annoying it got in your teeth and you're just like you're you're everywhere and it has no purpose and it dilutes your purpose as opposed to um, an intentional parsley leaf on a great dish or torn fresh herbs within a great salad or something that made sense that elevated the value of that mm. dish. And so always running in my head, it's be the parsley leaf, not the chopped parsley. And so I had to get comfortable with saying no, I had to get comfortable with saying yes. And then also being okay with, oh my God, maybe that was wrong. I'm not really mm. sure. 
because it's all about trial and error. And um, I will say without a doubt, like my people that help me manage all this stuff is a lot of the reason for my success because they help, they help guide, which is really important. I also say yes until I want to say no. And that's another like life motto. Mm -hmm. I will always say yes. I will always entertain something until it no longer feels good. And I will say no. Mm, that's a great barometer to use because that keeps you open to, to trying things, but then also giving yourself permission at the point when it no longer feels good mm -hmm. to kind of end it. I love that saying that be the parsley leaf and not the sprinkled <laughs> parsley. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. After four years, Iron Chef is back and your co-host with Alton Brown and did such a great job. Did you have any fears stepping into this role? And what were some of your biggest takeaways? You know, life is a surprising thing. And this is kind of the whole thing of saying yes until you want to say no. And you just let it ride out how it's going to ride out. I was terrified, terrified. I remember the week or two leading up to it before I had to fly to LA and start filming with this guy that I've watched on television all my life, who's been doing it by himself for 15 years. And I have to fit into that. And then you add the layer of Iron Chef. And then you add the layer of Netflix worldwide. Mm -hmm. It's overwhelming for someone that doesn't always feel great at what they do. And I think we all second guess our ability. And I am no different. And I, I judge myself very harshly. And so I remember going to LA and I was such a mess. Like I was like 
you know, when you get so scared and insecure that the mean comes out mm-hmm. to like the people yeah, that yeah. you love. My mm-hmm. wife was like, Kristen, <laughs> you need to calm down because what's going on? And we talked about it two days leading into the first rehearsal. She's like, Kristen, like, you've got to just, you've got to be gentle with yourself. Like, this is okay. You are here for a reason. And she had, you know, had the come to Jesus life moment talk with me. Um, Cause apparently I was just being a nightmare <laughs> um, with insecurity that fuels so much drive because you're like, okay, I got it. I got to sort this out. And mm-hmm. so, yes, I was scared. I was terrified. All the things, even, even on our last episode, like I would get the nerves as soon as the lights would go and the chairman, um, Mark would say, all I was in, like, I was like, oh, oh my God, here we go. Like, <laughs> I get nervous. But I think the beauty of, of how this show plays out is that I had to learn that me being exactly me was the value to this show. I didn't need to be like Elton. I didn't need to know as much as him. I didn't need to speak with the same cadence as him. I just needed to be me. And once I realized that, and I think you can see the progression over the season, him and I got more comfortable with one another. I got more comfortable, a little bit more playful. Things really started to unfold. God, after that, like it was just so much easier because all you have to do is be yourself and I could be nervous and that's an emotion that I that I can also convey because much of the audience probably watching is nervous too watching what's going down right. so um yeah once everything started to click I was I started to feel very confident and now that the show has been out with the reception that it's had I feel confident that I'm good at my job oh, I love what you said because I feel like there's because I think everyone feels fear for something they actually and nerves for something they actually care about there's always that like it's then that it's not saying they're like you're only nervous because you care about it so much but i think it's really true but i do think what you said the biggest takeaway is that you were brought on for a reason and the reason is just being yourself and i think it's like that means you don't have to like you don't have to try to be anyone else but you and that just should alleviate so much off your like i mean the pressure and everything so i love that you said that and the I positive know, feedback from from the audience like I, I need it. I don't need mm-hmm. validation to know that I'm great, but I do need valid. Every, we all need a little bit of validation in life and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I needed validation to know that I did a good job um, because leading all the way up to the dr- the release date, I'm like, oh my God, what, what am I going to look yeah, like? I'm going to say the wrong back. thing <laughs> yeah. and I'm yeah. going to like be stupid. How is it going to be all cut together? Oh my God, the world's going to hate me. Like all the things just start running through your mind. Yeah. And so- to feel relief and confidence coming out of it is just fantastic. That is so cool. Uh, I have to ask because I grew up watching Iron Chef with my parents and like the a la cuisine and biting into the onion. That was just like a clear like memory growing up. And I'm just like, you're always like kind of rooting for, you know, one of the like the, the chefs and stuff. But like now, you know, being a co-host on the show, what's something about Iron Chef that our listeners might be surprised to learn? Oh, man. Gosh, it is. Maybe not surprised, but I'm confirming maybe might be the right thing is that it is it is as big as an intense process mm-hmm. being there as it is on television, even though, you know, there, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a 60 minute cook and a 45 minute show. So, you know, TV world, of course, there's always little edits and things that have to be done. But it is it is all the feels that you imagine it to be. And just I mean, I had to remind myself sometimes that I was doing a job because mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there in awe of what's happening because little Kristen watching Iron Chef is now 
standing in kitchen stadium <laughs> and it's bigger yeah. it's bolder it's brighter because of Netflix so it's just it's everything that you want it to be and I can confirm that that's exactly what it is wow that is so cool it's definitely going to be an amazing show so for our listeners if you haven't tuned in already we definitely recommend doing so um, and for anyone who does watch Iron Chef I think they would agree that you know food is not just a physical experience but it's also there's an emotional component and the right flavors can really take us down memory lane. What are some dishes that bring you back to your childhood? Oh, yeah. This is, I love, everyone's like, what's your guilty pleasure? Like, it's a question that a lot of chefs and food people get. I'm like, I have no guilt in any of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> give me a box of hamburger helper or rice or blue box mac and cheese or really shitty chicken fingers that come frozen that the restaurant deep fries on the spot. Like that is, that's my childhood. You know, of course we, I grew up with, you know, great summer Michigan corn and gorgeous tomatoes. And, you know, my dad would grill steaks on the back Mm. deck, but honestly, the things that bring me so much comfort are just like those simple things that you can take yourself right back to sitting at the kitchen table in your designated chair with your designated family. And you just sit there. And I remember like, I still love, um, over steamed and overcooked broccoli because it it Mm. was just always overcooked at my house and Mm. I prefer (laughs) my broccoli broccoli is my favorite vegetable and over steamed broccoli is even more so my favorite vegetable I like it to be a little mushy um even as a chef who knows how to properly cook broccoli (laughs) it's just it's like my favorite it's everything my wife my wife when she steams broccoli she overcooks it oh she knows yeah I mean, the text, the texture is part of the experience that makes it emotional for you, right? Yeah, everything. And it's what I do at my restaurant in Austin is that I tap into mm-hmm. comforting flavors and feelings and I mm-hmm. twist them and add, you know, obviously chef stuff and other parts of storytelling and things wrapped up into it. But ultimately, like there's nothing greater than feeling comforted by food. And if I can just bring one flavor that is familiar to somebody that's like, oh, I feel like maybe my mom made something like that when I was younger. Like, that's just, that's a win Mm. all around. Our most popular dish at the restaurant, and again, it's all homemade, like gorgeous local grains, like homemade pasta, all the the stuff. And the sauce takes like two days to make, Um, but it is born out of my love of Hamburger Helper. Mm. (laughs) So (laughs) So hungry. It's so good. I, it's funny because I grew up on hamburger helpers too. So I'm just like, I, I know the, the when I, my mom puts it on the counter, I'm like, I know that's what for, that's what's for dinner. I have to try your, um, the one at Arlo Gray now. It just sounds really amazing. It is. I mean, it's just, it's when I put it on the menu, I didn't think it was going to be the signature dish, but mm. the guests mm. and our people, you know, the diners that come in have made it the signature dish and it will never leave the menu. Wow. wow. What are some other dishes that you created at this restaurant or, you know, you're thinking about that does that's also inspired by your childhood, like the hamburger helper? The other signature item. So there's two items on the menu that never change. It, it, they will never go away, no matter how many menu changes we do. The other one is this crispy rice dish. And it's with crab and bacon, haricover, saffron aioli, you know, cucumbers, you know, fresh herbs, that kind of thing. And so that's a mashup of three different things coming together. Um, and by no means am I saying it's any bit authentic to any of these things. It's just the love and appreciation for these three dishes. In college, I would get crab fried rice takeout. Mm. Um, I did a lot of my cooking in New England. So crab rolls with bacon or like, and mayo were my favorite things. 
And then my obsession with Persian rice and like that crispy shell is just so dang delicious. So those three things coming together to kind of make my own. So three things that shouldn't come together coming together. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but then that created this delicious flavor. I mean, it's, it's so interesting hearing you talk about the dishes that you create because you really do there's so much story behind them and they come and they pull from very, um, you know, direct experiences in your life. If you reflect back to your relationship with food, how would you say it's evolved throughout your life and your career? You know, I think the biggest evolution with me and my food has not been my taste because clearly my chicken fingers and steamed broccoli have not evolved (laughs) into anything. But I think the evolution of appreciation for all kinds Mm. of food has certainly evolved. And I think that comes by way of amazing shows like Iron Chef, where we are educated by the screen of saying, this is what other food looks like, right? And this is is another viewpoint and version of storytelling of Mm. food from all over the world. And I think that has been the major evolution in my life. Being a kid that grew up in Michigan, right, with not a ton of restaurants from from other backgrounds and other cultures that has been one of the greatest pleasures of my entire career is being able to have access and Mm. moments where I can taste these things whether it be on screen or off screen so for me that's the biggest evolution is the education in food that's Mm. beautiful yeah and I feel it's always evolving too since when you started you know cooking to now Um, I know you kind of touched upon this with this last question but I'm sure everyone is really curious because I don't think everyone, I like, there's a lot of people that want to pretend they're like a very good chef, but they're just (laughs) home home cooks in the kitchen like myself. But what is your creative process, you know, when you're creating a menu or a new dish? One, I always say it's got to, you have to know where the point of inspiration started from. So for a long time, I cooked with my head and I cooked Mm -hmm. for, I cooked super, super fine dining and I cooked with my head and I was just trying I was like cooking for awards. I wasn't cooking for, for me. Um, and there are certainly chefs that cook that way and they are great at it. I just can't. And so it's kind of like what I thought about like hosting Iron Chef. Like I just need, why is this so hard? And it was so hard because I was trying to be somebody else. You have to have a point of inspiration. I also believe that when you're cooking at home, just make something that tastes good, that you like. No one else has to like it. It doesn't have to be like, technically perfect Mm. it just has to taste good to you and so when my chef and I at my restaurant are developing dishes together he'll present something um he'll tell me where it came from whether it be this you know this gorgeous burrata dish is like a steak and cheese in a lot of respects and and it taps on those flavors so if I can if I can taste something familiar within something that's so beautiful and thoughtful um and creative then that's that's a home run for me so Mm. Take the flavors you like, pick a couple flavors. If you love, you're like, oh man, I really love um, matcha and seaweed. Like start playing around with the flavors. Like that's mm. cool. Like it's good. <laughs> um, it's just, it's honestly, it's just food. Like make it, make it suitable for your taste. You don't have to, you don't have to do, do it for anybody else. Mm. I like the, the aspect of play um, and drawing inspiration uh, is, is very, it's, that's great advice.
You don't need a summer getaway to transport yourself. Book your smoothest gate with the wax experts at European Wax Center. It's about more than just waxing. It's about taking control of your lifestyle, making bold choices, and unapologetically making time for a moment of smooth. I love making summer plans and day trips knowing I have been to European Wax Center and can wear my bikini with confidence. Yesterday, I had my monthly bikini wax and it was such a good experience. Honestly, love my wax specialist. She makes the whole waxing experience as pain-free as possible for me. The secret is her signature comfort wax. It's a propriety blend of beeswax sourced from Europe and other skin-soothing ingredients that allows us to remove hair easily for a virtually pain-free experience. She also noticed my skin was a bit dry and recommended their ingrown hair serum and my skin has never felt so smooth. Barbecue, beach, boat, whatever it is, you will feel confident in your skin. Book your smooth escape with the experts at European Wax Center. Make a reservation today. Your first wax is free. Now it is, this episode is going to air during the summertime. So thinking that it is summertime and that we have a lot of our uh, listeners who may start attending, you know, those like summertime barbecues or picnics. If you were to attend a backyard barbecue and it was to be potluck style, what would be the dish that you would bring? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love, I love, a, I love a backyard barbecue. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the quote salads, potato salad, spaghetti salad, pasta mm. salad. Um, just like I remember my mom would make the spaghetti salad and it was just box spaghetti that you cook and chill. Um, zesty Italian ranch. <laughs> And then this Mm. seasoning packet you buy at like Costco or Sam's Club back when I grew up and you just mix it together with like pre-chopped bell peppers and you call it a day and it's just so good. So I love, I love, I love a barbecue salad, like a picnic barbecue salad. That's an awesome recommendation. I hope our listeners are taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) I love salad. So I'm so excited you said that um, (laughs) because I feel like sometimes like just the traditional like pasta salad is just the route to go I make this mm-hmm. like I make my own pasta salad, but I just literally use Italian dressing you just yep. squeeze it on it just tastes so good it's like chili <laughs> and like steeps into the veggies and the salami yep. I just that's what I bring on my potluck so I feel validated with your answer I do love um a crock pot at a at a mm. at a potluck when you see that crock pot and it's like plugged in on the counter where like maybe everything else is displayed out on the back deck or something and then in the kitchen there's the crock pot that's just kind of staying warm with Mm -hmm. like a barbecue chicken dip or like a spinach artichoke dip or like a pre-made chili or something you're like dang you go you go right for that yeah (laughs) I'm so excited and very happy with it like with what we're talking about right now um I talk about food (laughs) constantly um so this is something I always ask people whether it's like a friend or on a date but what would your last meal be if you had to choose one thing oh easy yeah um really crappy chicken fingers fries mayo ranch dressing and a barbecue sauce oh i had to ask a follow-up sorry yeah (laughs) kristen you mentioned ranch ranch is a do you have a specific ranch that you'd recommend because ranch can Mm. be the flavors all over the board yep so there i mean gosh i can't believe i'm about to say this i okay i grew up with i grew up with hidden valley ranch so that was familiar yes um there is there's a ranch and i don't know what brand it is but when you go to like kind of like a pub or you know kind of super casual bar Mm -hmm. and it's the ranch dressing that feels a little watery we're like they're trying to stretch it yeah there's something about it that I'm like oh yeah that's good and I don't know I don't know what it is or where it comes from um I will say as I feel like I don't really sound like a chef right now so (laughs) I'll give you my chef my chef tip on ranch dressing (laughs) which is not really a chef tip um 
but you get the ranch powder and you mix it with sour cream. Um, I'm a Kewpie oh. fan, which ranch mm. dressings aren't typically made with Kewpie. So you get the powdered ranch and you mix your own sour cream, your own Kewpie, and you can kind of jazz it up with, you know, different spices or more vinegar for acid. Wow. All these amazing tips. Yeah. (laughs) Ranch is definitely one of those things that's incredibly nostalgic. I also grew up on Hidden Valley Ranch. And actually hearing you list your the last meal, like the immediate visceral reaction I had was comfort. Like it Mm -hmm. it just brought me back to childhood. Um, Is there is there a certain meal that you really enjoy making? I'm going to give you my honest answer, which might, you know, feel like a cop out. But my honest answer is that I so I I don't cook for myself. I Mm. I have no joy in cooking my own food Mm -hmm. um, for me to eat. My favorite things to cook are something that someone else requests. I don't care what it is. And I tell my wife this all the time. I'm like, just tell me, like, say I have a craving. Remember when we went to that restaurant in New York uh, six months ago that, and I like, I really love that one dish that kind of had like the flavors of X, Y, and Z. Can you try to make that? I'm like, yes. Thank you. Like mm-hmm. you gave me a box to work within. Um, mm-hmm. And so anytime I'm able to cook something that somebody else wants, or I can experiment with trying to, you know, bring back a food memory for them, that's my most favorite. But she never does it. She's like, oh. bad, just, why don't you cook? Just cook whatever you want, Kristen. And I'm like, God dang it. You're not like, honestly. And one of her, her best friend um, who's in Australia, her name's Sandy. Cindy's like, oh God, I'll, I'll give you a list yeah. of all the things yeah. that I want. <laughs> uh, but I just, anything that just makes somebody else so happy that I can, mm. that I can do through food is just a joy. Oh, that's wonderful. Then yeah, that definitely, it, it shows that for you, a lot of the joy in cooking is not necessarily just in the food itself. It's really in what you gift mm. to the person who's enjoying it. And it's about creating an experience. That's so nice. <laughs> Mel's just Mel's like fantasizing. Like, She's like, I want to be that person. I know. <laughs> person like, your wife is a lucky, lucky person. <laughs> um, well, to wrap up today's episode, we just have a few, uh, just a few more questions. You know, we are now halfway through 2022. Kristen, what are you most excited about, either professionally or personally, for the rest of the year? Uh, I am most excited for the unknown, and mm. it's the stuff that you just don't know what's going to happen. And for me, that unknown sometimes can be a driver of fear. But in most of my life, I try to allow that to just lead to excitement because you just you just don't know. Yeah, I like that spin in perspective. I think oftentimes I will lean too heavily into the anxiety part when it comes to the unknown. But you're very right. The other side of that is that it can be incredibly exciting. Because I would have never in my entire life thought I would be co-hosting Iron Chef. Right. On Netflix with Elton Brown. There's no way. Yeah. And to then have said, you know, I, I'm most looking forward to X, Y, and Z and having it so structured, mm. I may have missed right, the peripheral right. like stuff on the outside that would help me allow me to get to this place right now. So yeah. I, I throw out my arms and I say all of the unknown. Mm. Mm. That is amazing. I love that message to leave our listeners as we are like in a, in the midpoint of a year, you know, really. Yeah. Like what is it's great to be focused, but sometimes if you're too focused, you miss out on other opportunities that could be even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Kristen. Where can our listeners find and follow you? Um, I am most active on Instagram, personally active, um, at Kristen with an E, L Kish. Oh, and I have a highlights on my Instagram stories of all my Korea stuff. So you should probably nice. go see that. Yes. It'll, it'll be, it'll still be up. <laughs> 
Yes, wonderful. Thank you so much again for being here with us, Kristen. You have such a unique and valued background, and we so appreciate you sharing your story with our listeners. And listeners, don't forget to tune in to the most recent season of Iron Chef on Netflix. Yes. Thank you. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube, where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at asianbossgirl. If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree in our link in bio and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. And we'll catch you all in the next episode. Bye. 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 <laughs>